Well, good evening. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalms chapter 6. Psalm 6. And let's go ahead and pray again. Lord, we just come before you, Lord, with joyful hearts that we, Lord, get to draw closer to you right now, Father God, that we get to read your word, Father God, that we get to study you, Father God. And as we go through this psalm that David wrote, Father God, we pray that it would speak to our hearts, Lord. That we would not just be hearers of this word, Lord, but doers also, Father God. That we would live this day in and day out. So, Lord, just speak to us right now. Lord, and just keep Pastor Mike safe, Father God, as he's out of town. Just bring him back home safely, Father God. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. And Psalm chapter 6. So I can remember a time... Well, multiple times, if I'm being honest, of me growing up and getting into trouble because I was a huge troublemaker. And I would be begging and pleading with my dad to not spank me, to not throw me in my room, put me on timeout, you know, to show me, show me just a little grace and mercy. Now, I'll be sure I'm honest, I'm Mexican. I grew up in a Mexican household. Punishment, it got pretty serious. <laughs> you know, and I, and I can remember how hard I would plead to my dad, how much I would beg, literally on hands and knees sometimes, how much tears I would shed to, to, to try to get him to ease up on me just, just a little bit, one less spanking or a few minutes less on a timeout in, in my room. You know, and I think about the, the, the emotions that I had, the, the sincerity of my pleads, the intentions behind it. And then, I, and then I, I think about something else. What would my prayer life be like if I had that same emotion in my prayer? If I had that same intention, that desire in my prayers to the Lord? How amazing would that prayer life be? Right? Well, we're going to, go, we're going to see an amazing example a sincere example, an intentional example of that kind of prayer life from King David here in, in, in Psalm 6. And we're going to see David in a very vulnerable, but very real, raw part of his prayer life. And as we go through this prayer, we're going to go over some of the aspects of this prayer, the, the, the emotion, the pleading, the wrestling with himself, his, with, of his flesh, the sincerity of it all. <clears throat> So let's read Psalm 6 all the way through. In verse 1, it says, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. Verse 3, my soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver me. O save me for your mercy's sake. For in death, there is no remembrance of you. In this grave, who will give you thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. Verse 8, depart from me, all you doers of iniquity. For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. 
the Lord will receive my prayer. Verse 10, let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. Wow. So right off the bat in verse one, we see David pleading with the Lord. Now we don't know the aspect of what's going on in King David's life right now. We don't know the aspect of his sin that he's dealing with. But obviously David was under some heavy rebuke from the Lord for this sin. One thing that we notice here is that David is petitioning for God's mercy by fully and and sincerely admitting his guilt and his sin. He's acknowledging that he messed up, that he has a problem. He knows he's a sinner. You know, there, there are times when we think that we are being chastened by, by the Lord, when in reality, we are suffering and in trouble because we did it to ourselves. But don't get it wrong. There are certainly times when the Lord does chasten us. And there's a beauty about it, if you think about it. Yes, the Lord chastens us because he is not pleased with what is going on in our lives. But we need to also know that him chasing us, in a way, it's a mark of adoption. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 says, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? What kind of father doesn't go after his son or his daughter? What kind of father does not discipline their children when when they are going astray, when they mess up? What kind of heavenly father would we have if he didn't go after us with intent, chastening us for when we're messing up? Just as a father should discipline their children, the Lord does the same to us. As our heavenly and eternal father. You know, when the Lord corrects us, it's not going to feel good. It never feels good. But it's for our own good, right? To smack us in the back of the head and say, hey, dummy, what are you doing? Right? Verses 2 and 3, it says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul is also greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? You know, these verses are here, to me, are, are humbling. You know, you have King David who killed Goliath, who when he was shepherding his flock growing up, beat away lions and and bears, beasts of the field, who has won many battles and wars. I mean, to, to, to to a person, that's a man's man, right? And yet he says what? He says, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. He admits that he is weak, that he can't do this. He is weak physically and spiritually, and he knows it. And he acknowledges it with his mouth. 
And he knows that the only person that can possibly help him is the Lord. In Psalms 103, 14, we read it says, For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. You know, we may, we may like to think that we're, that we're strong. You know, we're, we're a man's man who, who, you know, we eat steak and potatoes. We, we arm wrestle bears and we um, eat dirt. That's a man's man. Right? But God knows us. You know, we can lie to ourselves all we want. But God knows us. He knows our weakness. He knows that our weakness, but he also knows that our weakness is what teaches us to be dependent upon him, upon his strength and his mercy. Because there's nothing that we can do in our own strength. It is only by God's grace and strength and mercy that we can even endure what we endure here in this world. And then we see David at the end of this verse, of verse three, ask the Lord a question. It's two simple words. It says, how long? What does he mean by that question? How long? Well, during this, this day and age, that, that time, you know, this question is, is a common exclamation of, of intense lament. And for those of you who don't know what, what lament means, it is a passionate expression of, of grief and sorrow. So this is David being raw, laying it out there. He is hurting, he is tired, he's broken, and he is asking and begging the Lord for comfort, for mercy. Do we pray this intently? This passionately? Verses four and five, it says, Return, O Lord, deliver me, O save me for your mercy's sake. For in death, there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? So now we start seeing more urgency in in King David's prayer. Notice the first word of verse four. He says, he asks this. He says, return, O Lord, return. Why would he ask that? Return. This word that David uses, it's showing that David felt distant from God. And this is a big part of the reason he felt what he was feeling during this prayer. And I'm sure a lot of us can relate. I know I can. He felt an absence of God in his life. Me, Mike, and, and Matt, we meet a lot in the back. And uh, there's always, it's a joke, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's real. You know, we always joke around when, whenever we're fighting with our spouses, we always ask each other, did you read your Bible today? Did you pray today? And immediately we'll be like, yeah, I, I, I didn't. When there's an absence of God in your life, your life suffers for it. And David has this right now. He's hurting. And he's begging God, return. Lord, please return to me. 
And then he goes on, he said, and he asks for deliverance. He says, oh Lord, deliver me. Save me for your mercy's sake. Because David knows it's not by his own righteousness that he can be saved and delivered, but it's only by God's mercy. David knew that God had every right to chastise him, to rebuke him, but David also knew of the Lord's mercy and love for him. And he's begging for it. And then in verse five, I want to read that one more time. It's kind of an interesting verse. It says, for in death, there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? Now, when you first read it, you know, don't, don't get it misinterpreted and think that David is saying that there is no life after this earth. But during this time, and, and actually in, in, in all the Old Testament, understanding of the afterlife was very, um, how would you say it, murky. It was very uncertain. But, you know, Jesus came to this world in the New Testament, as we read, and showed us about heaven and how more than anyone ever could. Considering he's God, he kind of knows that stuff, right? In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, it says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but now has been revealed by the, by the appearing of our, our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. David didn't know that at this time. He was uncertain. He didn't know what happened after this life. life. It wasn't clear. And so he pleads for fear of his life, knowing that, that, hey, I'm alive right now. I can remember God right now. I can give thanks to him here and now. Again, we see him pleading, begging, intentional, passionate in his prayer. Again, do we do that in our prayer all the time? Then we move in verses six and seven. <clears throat> and we're gonna see David at his rawest. He, he's vulnerable, he's in pain. We're gonna see this right here. He says, I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. He's in agony. And he is vent- he's letting it all out there for the Lord. Now that the Lord already doesn't know what he's feeling, what he's going through, what's on his mind, but the fact that David is openly admitting this out of his own mouth says a lot about how intentional he is in his prayer. You know, David felt that God was angry with him. 
He lacked a sense of God's presence in his life at the time. And he couldn't sleep. And I'm pretty sure we can all relate to these things, right? Now, I want to break it down a little bit. Let's think about each of these things individually. One, you think that God is angry with you. That's a scary thought. You know, to know that you did something wrong, you know, yeah, you did something wrong when you think the Lord is angry with you. That has some heavy conviction. Second, he lacked a sense of God's presence in his life. We can relate to that too, right? Trying desperately to, to, to feel that fire that you've had for the Lord before, or even just a, a spark of something to grasp onto and then not feeling that at all. Nothing. And then third, sleeplessness. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I like my sleep. You know, when I don't get it, I'm a mess the rest of the day. Unless you're Mike Russo, then you don't need sleep at all. But I, I, I like my sleep. Now, don't, she's not in here right now, so I'm going to say it. But if Melissa doesn't get at least 10 hours of sleep, and I mean 10 hours of sleep, she gets really angry. Now, let's put all those three things together. And what do you have? You have what King David is at this time, and then some probably. Sleeplessness, emptiness, not feeling the Lord's presence, physical and spiritual pain and agony. But still, David, even in all of this, he finds the strength to be, to be vulnerable because that takes strength. To open himself up to the Lord. To pray with everything that he has. Did we do that? Or do we find excuses to put off prayer? Or, or to only give the Lord five minutes out of our day because we're really tired or because our favorite show is going to be on soon. And in closing, we see in verses 8 through 10, David's going to switch gears here. It says, Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. So in the midst of this pain, in the midst of this agony that he's going through. He declares the confidence of his Lord, of our Lord. Now, like I said, we don't, we didn't know that we don't know the nature of David's sin, but it is very possible that because of his words here in verse eight, it says, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, 
that it had to do with association of ungodly people in his life. And because of that, he declares for them to depart, like it says. And he continues in his confidence in the Lord to the end of the psalm. He says, the Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. David knows that the Lord hears him. And he knows that the Lord's going to carry him through all of this. Even in the midst of his pain, he knows the Lord is there. Even if he can't feel that presence in his life, he knows the Lord in his timing will answer those prayers. In his timing will do what he needs to do in his life. He has that confidence in his God, in our God. Do we have that same confidence in our, in our hardships and our trials to know that the Lord is going to carry us through? Not just say it, but to actually mean it, to actually believe that. And if you don't, you should. You know, we need to be intentional with our prayers to the Lord, you guys. It is a time where we have a one-on-one talk with our God, with our Father in heaven. Where we can where we can vent. Where we can ask and just be in his presence. You know, we need to make the most of that time that we have with our Lord here on this earth. Because this earth isn't getting any better. We know it's going downhill very fast. And I think that this year needs to be a year where we are very intentional with our prayer life. Where we're passionate about it. It's not just a Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for this, God. Thanks for this food, amen. That it's a true, intentional time of talking with our Father. Now, I wanted to end it a little bit short tonight because I want us to spend a little extra time in prayer tonight <clears throat> because of this. And I pray that as we, as we have this little extra time that we really take advantage <clears throat> as brothers and sisters, as the body, to to be vulnerable, to be passionate in, 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 in this time of prayer. Just as David was. We need, to, we need to be that day in and day out. Let's pray. Father God, as we just set aside this next little bit of time, Lord, I pray that we would just be intentional as we lift these prayers up to you, Lord. May you just bless this time and we lift it up to you in Jesus' name.